And so, we talk about grace that transforms this morning. Got to stop and ask. And when I'm asking you, I've asked myself the question a whole lot recently in preparation for this morning. Do you believe that God can radically transform your life? That is so key. That is God's agenda, you know. God is not about putting us on a treadmill of performance. We know what performance-bound living does to us. You ever been there? It kind of wears on the soul, doesn't it? But our Lord is about transforming who we are. It is called to live differently, to be different. I'm just amazed at the richness of God's Word. Paul told his friends in Corinth, Hey, know this, that if, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old has gone, and the new has come. Radical transformation. In Revelation, Jesus says, Behold, I make all things new. And so today we are celebrating that newness. We are trans, we are celebrating the transformation that the Lord brings to our lives. And so we come to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 is not a standalone. We know that as Paul opens his letter to a group of new believers or newer believers in Rome, he's wanting to come to them, and so he is writing this letter to not only introduce himself, but to, from an apologetic standpoint, to let them know and to hear truth. And so following his introduction, he then talks about the righteousness of God. In the first chapter, we, we hear Paul saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the very power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and and also to the Greek. It is God who gives us righteousness because He Himself and He alone is righteous. We good so far? And then Paul begins to speak about the unrighteousness of man. And then he moves to how it is that through Christ we are justified before a holy God and deemed righteous because of the blood of Christ and the receiving of Christ into our lives. We got that? And now we come to, Since God has justified us in Christ, we are now forced to look at when that decision is made, what then comes? Now, as we are celebrating 
the wonder of God today and His transforming work in our lives, I want you to know this, that, that God Himself is fully committed to not only saving you, but growing you so that at the end of your time in this world, you are closely resembling the character and the beauty of Jesus Christ. That's God's agenda. So many times we, we think God is about making us happy, prosperous, wealthy, healthy, and wise. God has a better plan. It is to mold us into the character of Christ. And so Romans chapter 6 is a chapter that is about sanctification, God growing us. And isn't it amazing to us that, that God fully commits Himself to us to do that? He doesn't say, be right. He says, trust me and I'll make you right. The transforming power of His grace. And so hence we come before our time of worship today, during this hour, looking at the wonder of God's grace and the continuing impact it has upon our lives. There's a question that is asked twice in this chapter. Charlotte, thank you for reading as you do. I just love to hear her read God's Word. Did you hear that question? Shall we go on sinning that grace may abound? Wonder where that came from. Why, why did Paul, early on in his letter, people that he's not even met face to face, but he says, shall we go on sinning that grace may abound? You see, it was common in that first century day for um, people who were trying to improve upon the message given that, that somehow we could show forth the grandeur and the beauty and the power of grace by increased sin. It's called antinomianism. The flesh is bad, doesn't matter what I do because I am separated from and it is separated from so that I can enjoy this life. But I love this quote that comes from John Stott's commentary on the book of Romans. He writes, God's grace not only to forgive sins, but also delivers us from sinning. This thing of the transforming power of God's grace has a way of changing our want-tos. But for some, and I think about Rand's story. You know, Rand, in the earlier years of his life, he, um, God was not a million miles away. You have to understand that. He, he was wrestling with surrendering, even as a student, uh, wrestling with giving it over to Christ, his life. And he really wrestled with that so much. And the wrestling was going on even as a believer, grossly out of fellowship with the Lord. But nonetheless, oh, how he was so close but yet so far away. 
Jesus is the one who makes all things new. And when the light comes on and we realize that He is moving us from death to life, that there is to be the releasing of the old and the embracing of the new, God is about radical change and radical transformation in our lives. Any amens to that? I mean, when you think how you got started, aren't you glad that transformation is possible? Mark, you glad about that, brother? I know Renee's glad where I'm concerned. So as we look at Romans chapter 6, so that we can understand this thing of radical transformation, how God moves us from death to life, He brings to us two driving thoughts. One is in baptism. You know, the uh, whole purpose of baptism is that it signifies um, a dying and a rising, and a being separated to the latter. Agreed? And so, Paul is saying to his friends that he wants to meet sometime soon, you were baptized into his death, so that you were raised to walk in his resurrection. Death to life, radical transformation. The other image is this, that of slavery. Being a slave to sin, and when Christ comes in, commits himself to us, we become slaves of righteousness. So when we think about what God's agenda is in our lives... This thing of being baptized into death, moving away from being a slave of sin, we have to realize that the power of sin is great. It is stronger than we are. The Apostle Paul tells us in the epistle to those at Ephesus that we're not wrestling against powers that are physical, but we are wrestling against something that is so much more powerful and deceiving. It is the spiritual forces of darkness. And when we give our lives to Christ and when we vow to be all in in our walk with Christ, it's not over at that point. The powers of darkness are still being brought to bear upon us. It was Warren Wiersbe in his uh, little book on spiritual warfare talks about how for the unbeliever, they basically have no guard, no protection. Satan can possess that one. But for the believer, know this, while Satan cannot possess us, he can certainly oppress us and can take us back to where we got started and the old just lives again. I want to share something with you. I am privileged, and we've got some tremendous younger guys in this church, and I love hanging out with them, and, and I love mentoring them. One guy in particular, I was sitting down with him just a couple weeks ago, and uh, he was telling me what uh, life is like 
Bear in mind, he's 31 years old, what life is like in Buckhead as a single guy. He's in wealth management, so he's, he's got this upward track going. And I said, Cameron, help me to understand this just a little bit more. And he said, okay. Did you know, and he pulled out his cell phone, and he said, uh, in just a few minutes, I can send a text. And I can get set up for the night. And I said, how common is that? And he said, um, it is extremely common among the single young adult population in Buckhead. I said, well, is it very common among believers? I mean, guys and gals, your generation? He, he said, Mike, it is worse than you could ever believe. And then um, I said, well, after the sin is committed, is there any guilt? And from a lot of his friends that kind of went down that road, you know what he told me to my amazement? We're talking about believers here. No guilt whatsoever. It's just a physical thing, and it's separated from the spiritual thing. And we think antinomianism is no longer alive. And so that, that stark reality reminds us that without the transforming power of God's grace, that He is the only one who can bring us from death to life. He is the only one through, if you will, the symbolism of baptism can take us from a point of being spiritually dead to bringing us to a point of vibrancy and life in Him. When I think about uh, the power of God's grace, this thing of um, moving from being a slave to sin to being a slave of God, it is uh, in the imperative in this chapter, long about verse 12, Paul says, do not let sin reign in your bodies. Let not sin have dominion over you. That was an imperative, a, a command, active voice. This is your responsibility to so order your relationship with Christ that you're putting yourself into a position to be protected from and empowered to live a new life by Christ and Christ alone. And when we fail along that line, for the believer, let me put it this way. Have you, have you ever done what you thought you would never do, and the next morning you wake up and you ask yourself, what in the world was I thinking? What, what made me do that? Obviously, it was a choice you made, but being brought to bear upon your mind and your heart at that moment, the very powers of darkness. For the unbeliever, 
Satan literally controls. As R.C. Sproul said, his, um, his control is so pronounced upon your life as an unbeliever that you don't even have the power to resist. And I loved how he put it. He said, for the unbeliever, Satan can turn you on a dime. That's the power of darkness. Why do I even go down that road? Because when I think about the power of darkness, and yet through the power of Christ, which is greater, he, has, he is the one who has delivered me and brought me to a new point in my life. In other words, when we get to points of innocence restored, we didn't get there by ourselves and through our doing. It is the gift that God has bestowed upon us. He, has, he is the one who has made us new. I'm so thankful for that. Now, I have to ask this, and I don't, I'm not asking anybody to stand and testify, and no raised hands or anything. But as a believer, have you failed to recognize the baptism of resu- resurrection? Have you failed to realize that God has turned you from being a slave of sin to a slave of God? Has it gone unnoticed, unrecognized? Have you ever gotten mired up after giving your heart to Christ? I don't know what it is, but you know, just as soon as, as you make your decision to be all in for Christ... that Romans 6 becomes your life. I'm living in the resurrection of Christ, and I am a slave of God. Seems like we have some headwinds coming at us from the darkness of this world. And we start living our lives two steps forward, three steps back. Have you ever been there? It's like we... We have an affair with the world long before we ever have an affair. But today is about celebrating because we are about experiencing the power of the resurrection as the Lord has brought us from death to life, signified through baptism, and He has moved us from being a slave of sin to being a slave of God. Paul, in the second part of this chapter, he says, um, Offer yourselves as a slave of righteousness. This is written in the indicative, meaning show yourself, present yourself to the world as one whose life has been changed. By the power and the grace of God. All right, that's the teaching. So, what results from our understanding that we move away from the old and embrace the new, that we leave a life of sin and we pursue 
a life of innocence again through the resurrection and through the righteousness of God. You know, there's, a, there's 180 degrees there. Life is headed in a different direction, and the trajectory of our lives is different. So what will our lives look like when this begins to really be a part of our lives day to day? First thing I want you to know is this. When I realize that the grace of God is real and the power of that moves me from being a self-centered guy to a God-centered guy, moving me away from doing my own thing and caring less about anybody else, I got a word of hope for us because we are still, this work of sanctification, there's not a person in here who has already arrived. We are, we're all under construction. Are, are, are we good with that? All right, so here's a reminder from Romans chapter 6. Change is possible. Rand was fighting addictions. Before that, he was wrestling with God. What are you wrestling with today? Is it bearing upon your soul and your mind, your emotions? Change is really possible. There may be a spouse here today, and uh, your spouse is right beside you. And now things are getting really uncomfortable. (laughs) Your spouse, and you know, what he or she is wrestling with, radical change is possible. It is guaranteed when we receive Christ into our lives and we renew that commitment and our allegiance and our love for him every single day. There's another thing. Now, change is possible. But I want you to know this. Living a new and different life in lifestyle is God's plan. You know, it tells us in, uh, in Galatians chapter 5 what the, uh, what the old life looks like. Paul says this, Now the works of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything else similar. You know, we can blow past that, and it's like it doesn't resonate at all. But when we think about anger, have you ever used God's Word as a weapon? When you were growing up, mom and dad, what dysfunction was there? I was talking to another guy this week, and he said, you know, I'm kind of getting sick of social media. Because it's like when I, you know, when you're scrolling down, it's like everybody's bragging. My life doesn't look as good as that person's life. 
I don't know whether it's my age or just what. But I can tell you, I'm not on social media. Social as I am, Charlotte, not good. But this thing of the old life and, and the characterization or the descriptions that, that Paul is giving, and as Romans chapter 6 is winding down, the acts of the flesh, a lot of regrets there, a lot of wounds, relational wounds that occur. Life becomes more difficult and unfulfilling. That's the old life. Has it been that long that you've no longer realized how far the Lord has brought you? (laughs) Isn't it cool how God has just brought us to points we never thought possible? So what is the new life? Well, going back to um, the book of Galatians, here's the fruit of the Spirit. And y'all probably know it by heart. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. Is that not a stark difference from the old? There is hope. Hope realized, not only longed for, but God is doing a new thing. And you know, when your life is going through that kind of change, and these qualities of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all the fruit of the Spirit resonate through your life. What I'm telling you now is this. That along with the change and the new direction for life, what grace transformed looks like is that the core message of your life is the gospel. I don't know. It just seems to me that what's really worth talking about these days is the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the very power of God unto salvation. To everyone who believes, from the Jew first to the Gentile. Rand and I spent a lot of time together, uh, both here and off-site. Just an engaging guy. And um, Rand told me not too long ago, and maybe it was kind of on the heels of this taping. He says, Mike... When, when I'm working with somebody that, that is caught up in the thickets of life spiritually and the darkness is there and all that goes with that, I always ask, do you just want to be repaired or do you want to be restored? Some of us just want the ugly to go away, and so we confess the sin with, with no real desire to move forward and live a changed life through the transforming power of Christ right? Restoration, God remakes us from the inside out in terms of our priorities, our convictions, and the like. How about you today? How about you? How about me?
just showing the gospel to a hurting world. So I close with this. Romans chapter 6. It is God's continuing work of sanctification, bringing us into oneness with Jesus Christ. Jeremy over here, we were, we were talking in the hall downstairs about three weeks ago and in, in a previous church. He said, we were always asking ourselves or one another, what are you coming out of? And what are you going into? Because the transformation is organic. It continues to flow. Dr. Youssef has given me the privilege to do the uh, interviews for new members. And friends, I cannot tell you this week the wonderful opportunities I had, or rather last week. I want to tell you about a young couple, A.J. and his new wife, Emily. Newlyweds in their 20s. And um, I always ask them about their spiritual journey. And so I said, A.J., how did all this begin with you? And he said, on my heart... There was just this longing or this yearning to know God. And he went down the Buddhist track. He, he went down kind of the New Age thing. He, he just traveled different spiritual paths, even Islam. And there was this hunger about Jesus that he could not explain. And he said... You'll never guess. You know when Flying Biscuit was right down here? He said, I just felt like I was being led into Flying Biscuit. How many of you know David Hornberger? <laughs> Man, what a brother. And for some reason, A.J. just felt that God was calling him to get over there and talk to David. And the conversation begins. And David Hornberger said, when asked by A.J., where can... And he didn't, he didn't know David. He just said, where can I go to hear more about Jesus? And David said, you need to go to Church of the Apostles. And so A.J. comes. And he starts getting involved in the 20s and 30s and... Emily, she was involved in a global mission effort, took her to Tunisia. And her, her opportunity was to establish friendships with women in Tunisia and when given the opportunity to strike up a conversation about the gospel. Here is a couple that is representing what resurrection looks like day to day. Here is a couple that models just how wonderful it is to be a slave of God, a slave of rightness. And so when the interview was, was winding down, A.J. said, 
whatever Jesus wants of me, whatever he wants us to be about and do, I'm all in. Dr. Youssef uses all in somewhat often. And you know, it's one thing for a young man to kind of stare at the floor or look out the window while he's saying that, but when a young man looks at you like that, you know he's serious. And that's what Paul is saying to, to his friends in Rome. And that's why this thing of, of community and, and living out the vibrancy of the gospel, so that we're not ashamed. It's rediscovering those much older ways, just like A.J. in his newfound faith in Christ. Whatever, Lord, I am yours. That's what today is about. And before you can go into that, I don't know what it is, but when I'm having these interviews, and, and I shared with Ann, this is one of the best interviews I have ever had. I didn't want it to end. But when I have a moment like that, I just want to stay there. But you know, before I can go into that, there's something I need to go away from. What are you coming out of and what are you going into? Embrace the sanctifying work of the Lord because what awaits you is transformation. Change you never thought possible. Yes. A new and different life, no longer governed by the works of the flesh, but rather of the Spirit. And you get excited about the vibrancy of the gospel. You're living it. Every day there is change that you've longed for and welcomed so long. It has come. And this thing of Jesus making all things new. Let's come out of and go into together. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, I'm so proud of these people, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Oh, Father, during this time of reflection, I can't help but think Decisions are being made. And Father, we thank you that you are working in our lives so profoundly. Baptized into your resurrection to live a new life and the old is gone. To being a slave of righteousness. We are yours, Father. And as Paul closes this sixth chapter, oh Lord, the wages of sin, death, separation from life, we know that. And you saw us 
when we were in deep weeds and we could not help ourselves. And you gave us a gift. So while the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And all God's people said,